Welcome to the Redemption Tempe podcast, where we believe that all of life is offered Jesus. I am AC. I'm a pastoral resident here at Redemption. I'm joined today with Tina Dare. Tina, want to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm actually down at Redemption Tucson now, but we're throwing it back old school to uh, the days when I was up here at Tempe and uh, excited to be here. Nice, nice. And Tina and I will be on this podcast series in Advent for the next three weeks. And this week we have with us a very special guest, Holly Butler. Holly, will you introduce yourself to us? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Holly Butler. I'm here at Redemption Tempe now, recently moved from Portland, Oregon. And yeah, just getting into a new rhythm of life and really loving it. Awesome. Yeah. And so this month we are in Advent, and historically Advent has been a time that we look back on Christ coming into the world, uh, the incarnation, and as we do so, we also long for him to return. And so uh, Ricardo's been preaching through the series of the Word as we're looking at John uh, chapter 1, verse 14. Uh, but as you guys know, if you've been tracking with us with the podcast last week, we started a discussion on in in the spirit of longing for Christ to return. What are some spiritual rhythms or practices that we can be engaging in that deepen our affections for Christ? And last week we had Warren and John, and we were talking about how we have this physical spiritual dichotomy a lot of times in our thinking, and we think of spiritual practices that have nothing to do with the physical body. And so we talked about things like Sabbath and self-care and rest and things like that last week that really incorporate our physical existence because this is where we live in the real world, the physical world. And this week, as we look at the Word as the world, uh, as this is in John, that the Word dwelt among us, we're really going to be talking about What are those practices that help us to sense or experience God's presence? Uh, Because if there's one thing that really seems evident as we look at our culture is that there's a lack of awareness of God's presence. You know, I look in scripture and it says God's glory covers the whole earth. And then I walk amongst my neighbors and coworkers and interact and there's almost this complete lack of awareness of God. And even in our own lives as Christians, we can experience that as well. And so we're going to really dive deep into that. But Tina, let me ask you first, uh, talking about like, living in a culture that's not aware of God's presence, what what do you think it would be like if I were to walk into a business, walk into a business where every single employee, every single customer was fully aware that God was there? What would that look like? The first thing that comes to mind, we spend a lot of time in coffee shops and cartel coffee is, is a large reason that my husband and I finished any sort of degrees and are successful in any capacity in life. Um, And when we moved to Tucson, ironically, there's a cartel about two minute drive from us. And so I I imagine what it would be like if we walked in and every single time that pour over was just the perfect cup of coffee. There was this integrity in cultivating God's creation that it was never corners cut. Um, And that the the thing that, that really came to mind when I imagined this is just people looking into each other's eyes as if, you know, we were truly in the presence of God, as if we were truly bearing God's image and the sense of connectedness, the sense of um, hospitality and just care for one another um, in a world where we can often sort of just do quick exchanges and not really acknowledge each other. Mm. So an awareness of God's presence would even make us more aware of other people. Yeah. Mm. That's good. That's really good. What do you think, Holly? Yeah. I mean, I like that concept of uh, the presence of God making us aware of other people, because I feel like it is the Holy Spirit that often will point someone out to us who maybe they need a word of encouragement or just some love, someone to notice them. And God loves to use his people to like help us notice each other. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's good. 
And uh, last week, we talked about a book by Adele Calhoun called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. And we've been kind of teasing some some practices out, out of that book. And so we're going to talk a little bit about those. And then we're going to jump into some other other practices as well. But Tina, as we're looking through that book, and one practice that I've heard about a lot growing up in church is called practicing the presence. What What is that? What does that mean, practicing the presence? Yeah, so it's this idea that God's presence is always around us, but we have to practice it because, as you said, it's so easy in our culture to just go about our daily lives and not consider that God is with us. Um, and so there's a Latin phrase called quorum Deo, living before the face of God. And it is this sense that we have to prayerfully um, reflect on the fact that God is with us in all that we do. I think of Paul when he says, pray without ceasing. That's what kind of comes to mind. So there's a little book by this 17th century, I think, monk um, called Brother Lawrence called Practicing the Presence. And that book, it, it was it was just so great to work through and just have these tools to really um, bring myself continually back aware of the presence of God. And um, I come back to that a lot because it's so easy to, to kind of just drift away from that. Mm, that's good. So for people who might hear that and think, well, that sounds really good to kind of practice the presence, but what about the single parents, the entrepreneurs, people working two jobs that feel like time is a precious commodity that they really don't have to kind of just spend 30 minutes off to the side doing that? What, what would you say to them, Tina? Yeah, you know, I actually think this in particular is one of the spiritual disciplines that's best for people who are really busy um, because it doesn't require time set aside from life, but instead is integrated into our daily mm-hmm. life. So as you're, you know, staring at your toddler as they're, you know, destroying the house, <laughs> it, it's rem- bringing ourselves back to Jesus and saying, this is an image bearer reflecting your glory. Like, Lord Jesus, give me patience. Or as you're driving in traffic and you get a moment of solitude, it's praying that simple prayer of have mercy on me, Lord, a sinner. It's it's those those little those little things that can make the mundane things of life mm. um, into into this fellowship with God. Mm, that's good. Uh, what about examine? That's another one that I've heard thrown around. What, what would you what would you say that is? Yeah, so that is taking. I think um, you could do it over the course of a, a day or or a week or over just an experience that you have. But it's taking, we'll, we'll take a day, for example, at the end of a work day, it's sitting back and prayerfully reflecting on the day and thinking, what are some emotions I experienced during the day? Where did I really feel God? Where did I not feel God? Where did I feel angry? And and taking that time to connect with how God is working in our lives and to also get to know ourselves better, um, to see how God has uniquely created us and how he's leading and guiding us. Hmm. Hmm, that's good. Um, what would that look like? I know we talk a lot about here at Redemption. We just had a, a series in Daniel talking about different cultural idols. And one of the ones that we push back a lot or we try to is individualism. And so even as we're having this discussion, I know my mind is just tracking as an individual how I do these things. What would examine look like practice as a community instead of just an individual? Yeah, I think it could be really powerful because it's hard to know ourselves. It's hard to separate out different emotions and what people say about us and what God says about us. And so if we're in a community of people that know and love us, say our, our redemption community or our family or close friends, we would have the opportunity to reflect on these happenings in our day, to say out loud emotions we're having or questions we're having and allow those other people to speak into them and to be able to pick out things about us that it'd be harder for us to see. So um, yeah, I think this could be a really, actually really cool practice to do with people that, that know and love us. I know that sometimes I don't even notice things 
but people that are in my life will notice, hey, you've you've done this before or you've mm-hmm. reacted this way before. This is a pattern. And that makes a difference when you're reflecting on it and bringing it before the Lord as opposed to just an isolated incident. So here's some, some different ones. And, and these are ones that kind of are really popular popular words like retreat. Like I hear the word retreat. I think of youth retreats. I think of men's retreats, women's retreats. I think of all the people at Redemption who ask, why don't we do these retreats? But when we talk about retreat as a spiritual rhythm or a practice, what what does that look like, Tina? Yeah. So that book that you mentioned, um, Adele Calhoun's book, I think one thing she pointed out in that that was really helpful is that oftentimes when we talk about retreats and the capacity, like you mentioned, we're looking to get more information, to stay up late with people, to, you know, to really fill up our time, which is what we tend to do in our lives anyways. Mm. But this spiritual discipline is really retreating from all of that, going somewhere else and getting time to actually do the opposite, to go to bed early, to get rest, to reflect on God and his creation away from the kind of the busyness and craziness of life. Mm, that's good. So you would say like, well, with examine, you want to bring the awareness of God into everyday life. You don't have to run from everyday life. There's still a place from periodically pulling away from the regular daily life and reflecting on the Lord and those times. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. What are some creative ways that we might be able to practice that other than like renting a cabin and pacing? Yeah, we shouldn't, wouldn't be a bad idea. Not a bad idea. idea. Wouldn't be a bad idea. And and I don't think, like you mentioned, it doesn't have to be individual. It can be something that we do as a group. I just think we have to be really intentional to say this is centered on Christ and on reflecting on Him and getting time to, um, Adele says in her book about how the church fathers were so aware of the spiritual battle that we were facing every day. It was retreating from the front lines and taking time to be rejuvenated and connect back with God and what he's doing in order to re-enter back into that. And so I think intentionally we could get a cabin in Payson as a as a community and go out as long as we get that space. And that's the the intention. I actually was really surprised I looked up retreat sites in Arizona, mm-hmm. and there's some amazing sites that you can go and spend anywhere from a day to two months. I don't know many people that could do that, but <laughs> you can spend a day in, in these beautiful places, and they do uh, different worship times and different meditation times to just reflect on God. Um, and so anything from that to just times in our in our daily lives that we already are retreated from the world. Um, so turning off the radio on your long commute home and just being, you know, hopefully we're not texting while we're driving. And so we're, <laughs> we're disconnected from our phones, from noise, from really anything else. And we get this time to just retreat from all of that. And so long drives out to California for me have been some of the best mm-hmm. times to just be present with God for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I know in the past, when I lived in Texas, going out to the Galveston Bay, and, and like that was a place for me that even though it was like literally just right down the street from where I lived, it felt like I was pulled away completely mm. into this space where it was just me and God and we could interact without any distraction. Yeah. So what about pilgrimage? This is another one that is like, when we think of pilgrimage, we think of going to like Jerusalem, right? Or we think of, you know, all kinds of different things. But what is that? Yeah. So pilgrimage is any intentionally going somewhere in the world that is sacred, that reminds us of God, that helps us connect to God. So it's leaving our regular life in a regular place, leaving things behind to go on a journey towards God. So that could look like going to Jerusalem and that I've heard people that have done that, that it's a great experience for them. Um, But I think it could be more simple and more integrated into our daily lives too. 
One thing that that um, I think about that was really transformational for me years and years ago, Redemption Tempe had something called a mission day. And we just took a whole day, left behind our regular schedules, our regular things, and just went to different places in the city to see how God was at work. And we did. We went to out to Agritopia, um, where there's this whole community built around intentionally reflecting the kingdom um, and and cultivating the land and creating a community that's multi-generational and all these different aspects. And so going to that place and expecting to meet God there intentionally, um, I think is one example. There's so many people in our church that do amazing work that reflect God. And so saying, take me on a tour of what you do. And I, I want to, I want to meet God there. I want to see the way that God is making this sacred because it's done in order to glorify him. That's really good. I like that. One more solitude. Talk about that one. What's what's solitude? Yeah, I think this is probably the most simple. It's being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all of these, it can be natural for us to cling to ones that we naturally do anyways. I think we should sort of push back against that a little bit. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together says, I'm going to butcher the quote, but basically if you're if you tend towards solitude, beware of it, and you want to be press into community. If you tend towards always being in community, beware of that and press into solitude. Um, and so I think... This isn't just be, if we're always alone and we kind of don't like to be around people, just be alone more. It's more, we live in a city, you know, and there's people around us constantly. And so getting this time away and just being present with God and it's cultivating that one-on-one relationship. Just like if you're married, you have date nights. If you're, you know, if you have a really good friend, that one-on-one time is really the time where that deep relationship is cultivated. So just getting alone, you know, the Devo time, the time alone with God. Mm -hmm. Tog, T-O-W-G, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I've never heard that word, Tog. That's nice. Tog. <laughs> yeah, I think of like um, as extroverts and introverts, there's that whole conversation like extroverts find their energy with people mm-hmm. and introverts will find their energy apart from people. And I think just the healthy rhythm of community and solitude with Christ at the center either way, it's just a healthy way to live as a human. Whether you're extrovert or introvert, like just having that rhythm yep. is, is very healthy. So. That's kind of going through Aldel Calhoun's book and, and kind of pulling some practices, talking about different ways that we can seek and experience God's presence. But that book's not the Bible. There's a huge, huge 1,500 years of 2,000 years of church history to pull from and different traditions around the world. So, Holly, I want to ask you if someone came up to you and was like, Holly, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for some time. I really struggle with sensing God's presence, being aware of God's presence. Like I've tried praying, reading, whatever. Like it, it doesn't really, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. How would you walk through that process with them? <laughs> yeah, well, I would I would say I would start by offering to pray with them. I think sometimes having someone with you who you can like pull from their faith and their belief that God speaks is really powerful. And I, because I do fully believe um, that God speaks personally to every single person um, who believes in Jesus, that I feel like I can just kind of fill that gap. Um, and I would pray with them and say, you know, Holy Spirit, come on this person and let's have a meeting with Jesus. And it's actually something I've done many times. And I've never not one time had someone fail mm. to meet with Jesus in those moments. It's really fun to watch. Nice. Yeah. And, and how about you personally, in your normal times, what are some rhythms or practices that you have to, to engage God and, and to seek his presence? Yeah, it's it's looked different in different seasons. I remember early on when I was wanting to have that like more intimate time with God, I felt a little frustrated um, with knowing how to make that happen in my life. You know, I'm in the life stage of little kids right now and have been for about nine years, actually. So 
there, you know, there's the the very common idea and practice of like your alone time with God in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's called quiet time, right? Yes. You have your quiet time. <laughs> the other one. Yes. It's usually in the morning. <laughs> it's usually with your Bible and like your coffee and that kind of thing. And that just like would never work for me. Mm. Like I am rudely awoken in the morning, mm-hmm. right? I don't really want to set my alarm earlier. <laughs> to get up. And so I just was like, God, like, how do you want to spend time with me? And I felt like what he said back to me was do it in the evening Hmm. and stop watching TV at night so that we can hang out. And I don't, I was like, okay, yeah. I I felt like I didn't really watch a lot of TV anyway, but yeah. So that seemed almost kind of easy. And I started doing this practice of starting my day actually in the evening. And it helped prepare me for the chaos of the next morning. Mm. And um, it was actually a season of life where I read through the entire Bible in the message version. Eugene Peterson, rest in peace. Um, it's how I fell in love with my Bible, mm. really. I, to this day, I, evening is kind of like a special time for me now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh-huh. Can you walk us through like what one of those evenings looks like? Step by step, if, if someone was to say, I, I see Holly, I want to be like Holly, like, you know, like, what what is she doing, you know, that I'm not doing? <laughs> well, it's uh, probably not that brilliant. I would say I would make a cup of tea, um, sit down on the sofa with my message Bible and just start reading, pick up where I left off. And it was really just that simple. And it would be anywhere from you know, 20 minutes to over an hour, just depending on what kind of zone I was in. And and then I think I'm just naturally the kind of person who really enjoys quiet. So mm-hmm. it wasn't uncomfortable for me to sit and then think about what I was reading or to just start praying or to just sit in the silence and see if God wanted to say anything back to me. And sometimes even after that, I would pick up um, maybe a podcast or something where I felt like, I wanted to go deeper on a subject Mm -hmm. and then either like read another book about that subject or dig into a podcast or something like that. And man, I mean, it is fun. I just feel like those evenings were so fun for me and so life giving. Mm. And so it's something I've started just doing with other people, too, if they feel like. I don't know how to have that time with God. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, let's just ask him how mm-hmm. he wants to spend that time with you. And it can be so different depending on your personality and your stage of life. And it's so fun to hear the answers that they feel like God is giving them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so, um, there's so much variety mm-hmm. and so much creativity. Yeah. I, I love that. I love yeah. that. Even even twice now, you know, asking you questions, your your first response has been, well, let's bring Jesus in it. Well, let's bring Jesus in it. And I feel like a lot of times the conversations can be kind of academic and almost treat the Bible like a textbook. And that's sort of the problem a lot of times, right? When we approach the Bible in that way, as a, as opposed to like, this is the living word of God where I get to, to meet Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> yes. Can you think yeah. of one of the most creative ways someone felt like Jesus calling them to meet with him? Yes. Actually, something that comes to mind instantly, this is recent too. I was doing this with a group of like, okay, let's meet with Jesus and just ask him like how he wants to spend time with you. And one of the ladies, she said, I have this desk upstairs that really stresses me out and it has papers all over it and just basically a lot of stuff that I need to do that I don't want to do. And she felt like Jesus was inviting her to go upstairs and clear the desk off like he wanted to spend that time that way with her and um there was something in particular on the desk i think it was like a child sponsorship thing and um there was like a 
something that the the organization had sent her to send the child. And she was like, I actually just didn't want to send it. And it wasn't even my idea. And I just want to do something different. And Jesus was telling me, you have the freedom to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you can, I'm going to help you get through this. And mm-hmm. so I just love that idea of like, he just cares so much about these small things or like really big things in our mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this desk, that's really stressful. And like, they just went up there and cleared that desk off together. And it was Jesus time. That's awesome. Yeah. Of some of the disciplines that we talked about, do you have experienced any of them or have you heard um, stories of people who have tried them that have really found found them to be fruitful? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the disciplines are awesome. I actually, I love them and have practiced some of them myself. Um, and I think what comes to mind, I have a small group of Catholic friends. So of course the examine, you know, is like a really big one for my Catholic friends. And I have heard some really powerful life transformation stories mm. of people who have really taken the time to like sit down and kind of discipline themselves to to do that day by day. And I think what really stands out to me about that one is the daily gratitude mm. and giving thanks to God for things um, that often in our lives are, it's like feels impossible to find something to be grateful for. Yet when you sit down with Jesus it just, that's where the magic is. Yeah. yeah. Good. Holly, another question I have, we talk about presence of God. Why is that so important? Like, why is that such an important thing that we should pursue and, and want to experience? Yeah, I think, well, for me, it just makes God very real. Like he's like a real person who wants to be with me. And so when I enter into his presence in a way where I can tangibly, like I know it, it's happening. Um, I can feel his presence. It's it's a lot more fun to live life that way, mm-hmm. for sure. And then it just makes um, the things that he's calling me to do seem so much more manageable because I know like he's my friend and he's with me. And um, I think that even when I think about just walking in the spirit, which really is, you know, walking in the presence of God, I, how do I want to say this? So, when when I think about like practicing the spiritual gifts, even um, it just becomes way less about like oh I have like this gift or that gift. It's all about the presence of God and mm-hmm. like what is fear asking me to do right now, and all the other things fall away, and it's just like hearing His voice and then doing the thing, mm-hmm. um, obeying His voice, and I feel like that is really only possible when I am in His presence. That's such a great point that when we're so focused on figuring out our spiritual gifts, it's all about us. Yeah. And the, the presence of Christ will always draw us to him and then towards others in love. Yeah. Um, and towards so, others in love. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I know you've talked about like being in the, the season of uh, young kids for the last mm-hmm. nine years. What has it been like teaching your children how to live in the presence of God? Yeah. Well, it looks a lot like what I do with the grown-ups, actually. And it is something that I actively am teaching my kids. And I would say that as young as three, I've seen my son, James, he's five now, but as young as three, I felt like I could sense him entering into the presence of God at times. And especially when he is praying for someone's healing, Mm. which is something that he has a natural tendency to, and it's really beautiful to watch. And 
I think just because it's in our family culture, you know, they copy, they copy what I do. But also I, this, even just this past week, um, I was, we were having kind of like a big family problem, you know, where everyone's crying. We were all crying in the evening about something. And my daughter, who's nine, she said, mom, would you let me pray about this? And I should have been the one to say that, right? But she's saying it and we're, you know, she's praying about the thing. And she said, mom, I saw a picture of what we should do. And she went on to describe like this picture she felt like Jesus had given her just really like a way to kind of solve our problem. And I was like, man, yeah, I'm going to take that seriously. And she, but she learned that from me because, mm. you know, I just pray that with my kids all the time. Well, let's ask Jesus what we should do about this. Or, you know, Jesus, he cares about this. Let's like bring that to him. And to see her kind of take over in that moment mm. was uh, very rewarding for me and very convicting. Like I didn't do that first. She right. did. <laughs> yeah. So it's really just, it's just doing it, you know, doing it in front of the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the demographics of our church, we just did the survey recently, and there's a large, uh, I think, I want to say it's like 40% of the people who come to Redemption Tempe are single. So when it comes to dating, we don't really talk about like dating and spiritual disciplines, but when it comes to dating, what does it, or courting, or, you know, that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> what does it, what does it look like? What does it look like to, I don't want to say choose spouse carefully or wisely, but what are some things to be looking for and even cultivating in yourself, um, like as a single person when it comes to the presence of God? Like, are there red flags? Are there green flags? Like things that look good? What Anything in, in that topic? That's a great question. I think one thing I've seen in the negative sense is men or women over-spiritualizing in order to sort of manipulate a relationship, mm. I would say that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. God told me I'm going to marry you, you know, or like, <laughs> yes. okay, but I will say my husband and I have been married over nine years. And in high school, we were both like, God said, I'm going to marry you. And he's like, yeah, me too. We're like, okay. And it worked. So <laughs> it's not always but manipulation. But God spoke to both of you But God right? spoke to both of us. If it's only to one person, there might be some something wrong because it's the same God. But yeah, I, I think that could be a red flag of using the presence of God or using God's, you know, this direct line to God or, you know, that if you get a sense that this person is trying to project the spiritual maturity on you, just something where it doesn't quite sit right, I think that could be a red flag for sure. Yeah, that same thing was kind of going through my mind too, actually. And it's something that I bring up when I teach on prophecy. Hmm. It's actually like a rule. You cannot use prophecy to tell someone that they're supposed to marry someone else. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's too painful, you know, if it doesn't work or if you're wrong. And it is manipulative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think green flag, humility. Mm. Yeah. And kindness. Mm. Mm -hmm. And if someone is, if you know they're spending that time with Jesus on their own, I think that's really important. I think we are a culture that jumps into intimacy really, really quickly in a lot of Mm. capacities. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes people want that spiritual intimacy together. Mm. And it's almost this codependency Mm. instead of they have this strong relationship with Christ that overflows in the way that they treat you and the way that they interact with you. I think it's great to, you know, engage those things together eventually. But yeah, I think signs that they're really seeking that together and that the fruit of the Spirit is, is coming forth from that. Yeah, I know I've been in a lot of conversations as I think about it with people who are thinking about dating someone or talking to someone and they and they like almost look for reasons like, but they go to church or like there's this or that and almost look for like these secret signs of like if they're really a Christian or if they're really following God. And I just think of James when he says in chapter three, 
Like, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show you by the the good life they lead, you know? And so it's like, it's simple as that. Like, do you see the fruit of the spirit in their life? Joy, kindness, uh, patience, gentleness. And I don't have the rest of the list memorized, but you can look it up in Galatians 5. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that. So that's all we have for this week in talking about uh, different ways to to sense or experience God's presence. But I really just encourage you, as soon as you turn the podcast off or even now, uh, just pray. You know, uh, like Holly was talking about, ask Jesus into that process. And Lord, how do you want me to seek you? And there's these different rhythms I may have heard about, but Lord, how do you want me to 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 find you in the midst of this chaotic world? And so until next week, stay tuned.